Auto Parent Podcast with my mom. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Auto Parent Podcast, episode 32, which we're calling Tennessee Deacons Part Two. Some of you may remember a little while back we had Tyler Peterson on, uh, who is the special guest of Tennessee Deacons Part One. And today we get to welcome another Tennessee Deacon and a good friend of mine. Uh, I am your host, Pastor Casey Van Atta Casebeer, and y'all know me. So let's get to our special guest for this episode. Our special guest is Jed Haynes, and he is a provisional deacon in the Tennessee Conference of the United Methodist Church. He serves his primary appointment as the director of operations for Matthew 25, Inc., a faith-based nonprofit transitional housing ministry that serves men experiencing homelessness, poverty, and addiction. His secondary appointment is the congregation of Belmead UMC. Jed is a partner to Beth and a dad to Nora Lee, whom I saw a picture of recently in a princess dress, and I was completely taken aback by how freaking cute she is, and a dog dad to Granger. Welcome to the pod, dude. It's good to see you. It's great to be here. It's good to see you. Um, yeah, she is definitely the princess of the of the house. <laughs> All right, so we're going to hit it with some special guest questions up top. First one, I think it's the easiest way to get to know somebody. Let's just complain together. So tell me what your biggest pet peeve is. <laughs> so one of my absolute biggest pet peeves is being talked over. Like, I'm sorry, did the beginning of my, at the middle of my sentence interrupt the beginning of yours? Like, that just, like, if, if I can't finish the words that are coming out of my mouth, it just, it, it, it it irks me to no end. And I feel like people sometimes just want to be heard and maybe they're not even listening to what you're saying to them. And they're just listening to interject their point. And that just gets under my skin so much. I, I, I want to be able to finish my thought and um, in ministry and professional settings, sometimes uh, people like to, to bully and, and get their point across. And that just irks me to no end. Sometimes I find myself uh, you know, gripping under the table trying to make sure that I don't, uh, my face doesn't show what my, what my head and my heart are telling me in that moment, for sure. Yeah, that's a good one. And a first one for the, for the auto parent podcast. I don't think we've heard anybody talk about this, but it's so interesting that you bring this up, Jed, because just yesterday I was talking with some of our um, staff about this uh, and how perhaps like it, it really has contributed to so much of, um, just the the conflict and some of the issues that we see in our collaborative environment and working together. I mean, not even at Foundry and it's not even to like any kind of detrimental level, but I, I think in partnerships and parenting and all of the endeavors that we do together, what you're lifting up is not just fun to complain about. It also is like a really poignant thing and something that we need to be paying a lot of attention to. Yeah. It's just, it's a matter of like human decency and respect and it just, it carries so much weight for me. It really does. Yeah. It's just that basic stuff. Like, and sometimes we get so caught up in like <laughs> expanded consciousness and like <laughs> tackling really difficult things together that we forget that like the basic stuff is kind of like how we're able to even do this work in the first place. So I think that's really, really kind of beautiful. And I usually don't say that about, <laughs> about our pet peeves. Okay. So this next question is one that I always love to ask. And people are always like super hesitant and they're like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can even like think about this. It's also like, I'm realizing it more and more. It's kind of a hard question. Um, but the, the question is this, can you name a time 
where in your life you can you can pinpoint that time as the hardest time that you've ever laughed? Or can you pinpoint a time where recently you have laughed super, super hard? So I've, I've thought long and hard about this. And um, my, my partner, Beth, and I, um, we share a lot of stories. She's a first grade teacher and I am a pastor. So we, we both deal with people a lot. And before I took this appointment, I was in student ministry and she has all of these really great stories of first graders that she shares. And one in particular where we both laughed, she probably laughed for a half hour solid. It was the, the gut wrenching, like my abs, her core workout laugh. She had a student um, that she was working with after school waiting for the bus stop. And he said, Miss Beth, can I eat my snack? And of course, she's not thinking. She's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead and eat your snack. And the kid reaches in his backpack and pulls out a full corn on the cob inside of a one gallon Ziploc bag and, and proceed proceeds just to go like full on, like County fair Turkey leg eating this corn on the cob. And she said it was just, she lost it. She said it, there was nothing she could do to, to keep her composure. And she's like, I looked over and he just started eating this corn on the cob. And she just, she just couldn't stop. And when she told the story again, she couldn't stop laughing. And it was just this 20 minute laugh session. And I looked over and the kid like, it didn't even know where she didn't know where, how he had it, where it could have come out of his bag or anything. <laughs> she was expecting, you know, the Cheetos, the fruit snacks, the goldfish, something. This kid pulled out a whole ear of corn on the cob. And um, that was probably one of the hardest times I've ever laughed. Um, another is- honorable mention would be that, um, a kid was told to bring breakfast food for a party at school yeah. and their parents sent them with a pound of uncooked bacon in their backpack. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, this definitely is breakfast food. And you, you somehow passed the assignment while missing the, uh, the, the point altogether. That is so, oh my gosh, it's so funny. The corn on the cob thing, man, I was doing all kinds of mental gymnastics to see like where you were going to land. And I, not in a million years would I have guessed ear of corn, which is hilarious. And then, I mean, you know, I, I think the bacon thing is funny, but I think we've also all been that parent too. And at least if we haven't been that parent, we will be before the end of it, which is amazing. So good. So, Here, tell so your good. teacher she can figure this out. Yeah, yeah, you can figure this out. I went to the store and got this damn bacon. Somebody else can cook it. That's how I feel. <laughs> so good. Okay, I don't always participate in special guest questions. However, today I'm going to share a hard time that I've laughed because it was recently. And I'm actually going to show you because I'm like, you can actually see it, even though our podcast listeners won't be able to see it. We get hate mail at Foundry and it's, it's, pretty intense as I'm sure you can imagine. And right. Jed is giving me a thumbs down. We don't, we don't endorse it, but also it's hilarious. So me and our, oh gosh, I don't know his new title. He's like the boss in charge around here. (laughs) Um, His name's Jasper. He works right outside this office. He used to be like our office manager, but he does everything and he's awesome. I don't know his title, but it's really intense and great and perfect. So anyway, Jasper (laughs) will get these in the mail and then he'll show them to me. So we get gospel tracks in the mail that are all from this same company called Chick Publications. If you're out there and want to be a sponsor of the podcast, we'd love to have you. This one is called The Only Hope. This one is called Doomtown. 
And we started reading Doomtown, and the first page says, <laughs> this says, man, they're threatening to infect our nation's blood supply, dot, 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 with AIDS. <laughs> this is blood terrorism. <laughs> And it's very, it's, it's obviously intensely homophobic and absolutely ridiculous. Um, but they also sent us a, a page. It's clear they created some kind of stationery of their own. It's like definitely unique. They created it. And so they have this thing running down the side and then off to the right, they write their little handwritten, like you're an abomination and going to hell stuff. But the thing along this side is just a bunch of faces or people that are doing different things. And I just want to read them to you because I have not laughed this hard in years and years and years so on the floor, weeping alcohol and drugs. And then there's a face of somebody who's clearly impaired anger. And then there's like an angry face, false preaching, murder, homosexuals <laughs> in this order, homosexuals, lesbians. Cause that's different. And then there's these two people, both with arms and it says this fights <laughs> and underneath it, it says pedophile adultery, fornication. And then my favorite witchcrafts. It's plural. The crafts of the witches. So oh, Harry Potter. <laughs> so Jasper, who is my dear, dear person, wrote on this little note thing when he handed it to me. In some, Jesus sweetly, lovingly decapitates my enemies, which is like a TikTok of a worship leader singing that as like an ad lib in a worship song. <laughs> It's like, Jesus sweetly, lovingly decapitates my enemies. And then he like keeps going with the horse. So anyway, that's a little like behind the scenes look at what happens at Foundry with our hate mail. And I uh, died and had to be resurrected. It was so funny. Uh, coincidentally, Doomtown would be a great name for a, a youth praise band. Yeah. As, uh, <laughs> they, they take off in the Repentance 2021 tour coming this fall. It would be... Uh, Fantastic. So good. So good. Okay. Well, to keep the laughter going, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do a segment that we don't always do, but I wanted to do with you because we tend to laugh a lot. And that is fun facts. So our scripture today is Pauline. It is from Ephesians. And so I thought it might be fun and also a little bit, you know, stick it to the man to do some Paul fun facts. And as you all know, as fans of the fun fact segment, these are completely true, 100% accurate facts about Paul. And so Jed and I are going to alternate and offer you this wisdom that you didn't know that you'll be very lucky to have when we're done. So I'm going to hit you with the first one. Did you know that Paul's real name was Saul? Because if something happened, he saw it happen. But then after he became blind, he couldn't saw it no more. Did you know that? I did not know that. That explains the bright the bright light, and uh, he couldn't he couldn't solve it anymore. <laughs> oh, this this makes all of my dad joke and my former youth pastor spidey senses tingle with, yeah. with excitement and anticipation. He couldn't solve it no more. That's just <laughs> wonderful. Well, Casey, did you know that Paul did not in fact hate women? He just participated actively in a system that considered them property. 
Yeah, I, I've I've known that painfully for quite a while. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't. I don't hate you. I'd consider you greatly worth three goats and a sheep. It's wonderful. Um, you'd fetch a lovely price at market, my dear. Um, yes, wonderful. Our uh, Ephesian text today. There's a. There's a. Um, a part of it says, "Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery." And I just didn't know if you knew that Paul was actually sent to prison for debauchery. Like that was his. Offense was he was booked for debauchery. Was the the, the total do as I say, not as I do <laughs> moment for Paul? Yes, exactly. Casey, did you know that Saul was actually a dragon? No wonder he breathed so much ire. <laughs> Paul breathed ire. That's a joke. That's a play oh, on words I, I, with fire. <laughs> oh, this is the time when it pays to have pre-read the absolutely true fun facts that are going. Paul was actually a dragon <laughs> and he breathed so much ire. <sighs> so good. Oh my gosh. Ire, fire, dragons, debauchery, women as property, and and he couldn't solve it anymore. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this has been a segment called Fun Facts. I'll remind you, these are completely true, 100% factual, and you are absolutely 100% welcome for all the knowledge you have about Paul and Saul that you did not have before. And now, (laughs) now it's time for our best, biggest, brightest segment of the podcast, Parenting Fails, Confessions, and wins we're going to start with parenting fails and i'm going to hit you with one real quick so this this story was bound to come out on the podcast it's going to come out on this podcast because you're happening to be the special guest that's recording with me this week that this happened so on monday of this week i was doing a, a moral march with the poor people's campaign reverend dr william barber reverend jesse jackson shane claimborn some other faith leaders and low-wage workers were gathered together to march on the Capitol to call for a $15 living wage and a union, to call for the passing of the For the People Act, John Lewis's For the People Act, which is an expansion of the Voting Rights Act, and to call for an end to the eviction moratorium, which, you know, happening at the same time was Cori Bush and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez protesting on the steps of the Capitol for Congress to, to get back in session to continue the moratorium on evictions. I may have said to end the eviction moratorium to continue the moratorium on evictions. Anyway, all of that happened. Cori Bush and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, among other Congress people in their direct action and witness, made that happen. The CDC did that and Biden did that. And so, so it was great. We were down there. We were all down there together. We marched to the Senate office building and then we all got arrested. So it was my first time being arrested and likely not my last time being arrested, but I was gone all day. And so I was supposed to go pick up the kids and I didn't get to pick up the kids because I got arrested. And, you know, that in itself is maybe a fail. But anyway, so my partner had to pick up the kids. And then finally, when I got home, it was like 8 p.m. The kids were like, where were you today? And and Greg, without thinking, was like, well, mommy got arrested and you should have seen Cash's eyes. <laughs> it was like betrayal. <laughs> His eyes got so mm, big. You're a criminal, mom. <laughs> he started to like 
well up with tears. I mean, he was like to the point where he was like convulsing and crying because he was like, what did you do, mommy? What did you do? And I looked at Greg and I was like, oh, we're so tired. It was just like, and also to be fair, we are honest with our kids, but that is not the way that we would have said that to them. So it was just being exhausted, slip of the tongue, like just being honest. Cause that's what we do all the time. Um, but we would have given it a little bit more cushion and we would have like taken more care. And anyway, he just hit him with the she got arrested and, and whew, it was not, I mean, I spent the rest of the evening calming him down and showing him pictures and telling him that it was actually a good thing and that I was safe the entire time, but who fail, fail, mm. fail. So what do you have? <laughs> well, none of it involves handcuffs or mud shots <laughs> or, or tears. Um, I, I think for me, most recently, it might be going to pick up my um, beautiful princess daughter, Nora, from daycare. And they, they have this policy where if there is an incident report, the parent has to sign the incident report before leaving. So, you know, just to make sure that if something happened, everybody knows that everybody knows. And I get there and it's not uncommon for, you know, she slipped and fell on the playground. She's got a Band-Aid, no big deal. Well, this one particular day, probably three weeks ago, she said, let me get the incident reports. And I was like, oh, goody, there are many. And she said, yeah, actually there are. I said, well, just how many? And she said, there are four. And I said, okay. And she said, well, technically one of them wasn't her fault. Um, I was like, all right. So it ended up being that my, she bit someone. She got bit by someone. She pushed a friend down. And the other one that wasn't her fault was she was having so much fun on the playground that she ran around the corner and bumped the top of her eye and got a little bruise over her eye but the the parenting fail is just walking in and being that, that walk of shame and signing all four of your child's incident reports um she she my, my kid is tough I like and you you've seen proof of this before yeah. Casey the the video of several months back um she and a little boy were arguing over a chair and she took it upon herself to crack a xylophone over the top of his head because he he pushed her down when she wanted to play in the chair and so I am not above bribing my child to have what we call now no bites and no fights. Um, that's our, um, our policy for, for daycare. It's, um, it's going well. It, it really is. Yeah, I've been there. I mean, I've also got one. And, and I say this, like we named him after a delinquent football player on TV. And that's what we got. We got a delinquent football player and he... I mean, he's built like a little, like a fullback, honestly. He's built like a fullback, which is not a position that like, you know, very many people are even playing in football anymore. And he will just, I mean, he'll just, he doesn't care. He'll bowl you, he'll bow you over. He'll run you over with his bicycle. He will crack you over the top of the head. He does not care. And he, I mean, he beats up his six-year-old brother. <laughs> He beats up his six-year-old brother to the point that the only person that cries in our household is the six-year-old because the three-year-old has hurt him. So I'm with you. I feel you. It happens. But also, like, yeah. raise a tough girl. Do it. I think it's yeah, great. She's, she's tough. That's for sure. 
Right. So let's do some parenting confessions. Mine's super short. They usually are. I just have started buying because I like to eat like a, maybe just a little morsel of chocolate or something after I've had a meal. And instead of buying Hershey's Kisses, which I used to buy, the kids also like them and there are no peanuts in them. And so Riggs and Cash can both eat them. I have stopped buying those and I've started buying York peppermint patties because they both hate them. So they are all for mom. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Yeah. So mine is, I have two. I'm going to confess on behalf of my spouse one time, and then I'm going to confess for myself. Um, Mine is that when Nora was a little bit smaller, we would often, you know, you get that, that point where they're mobile and they want a little bit of whatever it is that you're eating. So at the end of the meal, it comes time where we're like, it's ice cream sandwich time, right? So that says, will you share with Nora when you go? So I, my confession is that I would often go and get two solid ice cream sandwiches, knowing that Nora was probably going to eat about half of one. I would share the first one with her, and then I would make sure I pulled the second one out. So that really, I was I was the nice dad that was sharing with the little girl, but it was just my excuse to eat one and a half ice cream <laughs> sandwiches at, at any given time. So it was like, so I, was, I, was the, I was the sacrificial father. You know, here I am sharing, but you know, Somehow, thankfully, most of what Beth eats somehow seems to be more more tasty than whatever um, I have, which is really great. And then my confession for her is that she is the queen of getting a healthy snack like a apple and oat bar and putting it, breaking it into pieces and putting it inside the Oreo bag while she's Ooh. eating the Oreos, the little the mini Oreos, and she would. She will eat an Oreo and then hand Nora a bite of the bar. And Nora thinks that she's getting what mommy has. And um, she's very happy, but she's really eating her fiber and protein bars that are healthy and good for her. And it's the the, the best and the worst thing. <laughs> this is awesome. brilliant. Oh, my goodness. This is brilliant. So good. It's rare that we like learn something from confessions, but I feel like this is a great thing for all of us to take. I mean, not me, because I'm real done having young kids, but um, everybody else. (laughs) Okay, well, now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, parenting wins. Doesn't matter how you get them. If you get one in a drought of fails, or if you get a couple of consecutive, we'll take them however we get them. My parenting win for this week is it's something that happened yesterday morning. Riggins, my tough little fullback that we were just talking about. He's definitely not as sensitive as Cash. Cash and I have a very interesting relationship. We talk about feelings. We talk about all kinds of things. And he obviously, like when he heard I got arrested, he just immediately broke down in tears. Like he just, he has a really big open heart and Riggs often doesn't. So Riggs and I don't talk about a lot of things that are like faith oriented or God oriented. He's He's not super inquisitive as a child. Like he just kind of goes with the flow. But yesterday, (laughs) this is going to get graphic. So just, I mean, whatever, like this is just who I am. And if I'm not allowed to say these words, then I don't want to do this podcast anymore. So here's what happened. Riggs. It's your your podcast. Lay it on me. That's true. So Riggs was saying I was born 
I came out of your belly. And I was like, no, you came out of my vagina. You were in my belly, but you came out of my vagina. And he was like, okay. And then like a day or so later, he was like, he was like, who put me there? And did I, he was like, did I start out here? And then did I go? I was like, no, 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 no. You did not. You started in there. He was like, how did I get in there? And I was like, huh, let's have this conversation. So I sat down, pulled him up on the bed. Cause we never get to do this with him in particular, sat down. And I said, how do you think you got in there? And he thought for a second and he said, I think Mimi put me in there, which is his grandmother. <laughs> and I was like, no, Mimi didn't put you in there. I was like, who else do you think could have put you in there? And he sat and sat and sat. And then he looked at me and he was like, I think it was God, wasn't it? And I was like, oh, yes, I do think it was God. And he was like, cool. And then he like jumped off the bed and then ran into the wall on the way out. And then just like, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was one of those moments where I was like, Oh, okay. So like I gave him the time and then also like he, you know, he came out with some God knowledge, which is usually my other kids department. So it was a win and I'll take it. What do you have? Oh man, that, that is golden. Um, <laughs> so I have, I guess two wins. One is I, I shared this as a post on Facebook a while back, but I often wonder if we're doing this parenting thing, right. And um, most recently, when we pull out of a drive-thru, which is more often than it should be, um, Nora <laughs> says thank you and bye-bye to the people in the, the drive-thru that are handing us our food or taking our orders. And it's just like this, this, this child is so, so sweet and polite and kind, even at you know, 22 months old. It just it does my heart really good. And one day last week or so, I went out and I got her baby doll out of the car because it had been left in there. And I just walked in and handed it to her and without even being asked to or prompted, she just said, thank you, daddy. And it was just like, okay, we're, we're, we're raising a kind human being here. And that's really the end goal. Um, and the other is um, about two weeks ago, Nora had uh, this bout, this about week and a half long bout with a fever. Um, and it spiked and went down and ended up being pneumonia and she was on amoxicillin and all of these things were just just wild and crazy and she wasn't feeling great and you could tell and we had been to the doctor several times and she was snuggled up on the couch and we were all watching fish which is finding Nemo and it was great and something moved outside we live out kind of in the country and I think it was our neighbor's chickens and our dog just erupted Granger um, affectionately named after Hermione Granger of Harry Potter. Um, yes, we are those people. Um, <laughs> started started barking like crazy. And Nora in her feverish, doesn't feel well, sick feeling self, um, just looked up and went, shh, shh, it's okay, go, go. Only chickies. It's okay. It's okay. And she just, she cared about him being upset and barking at his chickens um, more than she, more than she was worried about herself. Like we'd have just, we've got a very compassionate, um, loving child who is unpromptedly um, sweet and kind and great. Um, she will hug you from across the room at a full sprint and knock you down, <laughs> but she will also tell the dog that it's okay. They're just chickens in the yard and she wanted him to be all right with that. So that I, I will call that a parenting win any day of the week. For 
for sure. Yeah, of course. That's amazing. Amazing. These wins, it just always reminds me that like, we're the winners, like we're the ones that get the joy and reap the benefits of getting to know and love these unique and amazing human beings. So uh, this has been a segment called Parenting Fails, Confessions and Wins. I'll remind you that you are invited to share those with us. You can do that via voice memo. We'd love to hear your voice and to share it on the podcast, or you can type them out to us on Instagram and Twitter at autoparent. And now it's time to do a little something different. Now it's time for our Get Real segment, where each week we take the lectionary passage and get real. Our lectionary text this week comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20, and here it is in the New Revised Standard Version. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts, giving thanks to God at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yeah. So what are just some initial reactions from you regarding our lectionary text for this week? So as you mentioned, I work at a transitional housing facility in South Nashville over in uh, Berry Hill and um, there are people who are seeking to reclaim their lives and, and regain sobriety who come to Matthew 25. And I think about the call to live wisely and to, to turn away from the foolishness of living in the world and um, the, the debaucherous ways that we as human beings can so often find ourselves engrossed in for one reason or another. And I I think about my call to be a pastoral presence here. And I think about Paul's reminder um, that when when he says these days are evil, that there's problems and there's sin and there's addiction all around us, um, but that um, he's offering a word of of the spirit, um, not not unlike the spirit in the bottom of a bottle. Sometimes they can change our, our thinking and the way we go. Um, that's an alternative to that. And um, I, I find a lot of hope from Paul in that thought. But I, I just, I think about the debauchery that is, um, that waits for us outside here in South Nashville and the, the struggles that our guys face. And um, that that's initially what, what, what really jumps out at me here, so. Yeah. So I'm really glad that you're on this podcast. Um, and I actually, you know, handpicked this particular lectionary passage. We haven't done actually uh, a lot of the epistles or um, Pauline texts. We've done a lot of the gospel. We've done quite a few Old Testament, but I picked this one in particular because I thought that you would, you know, lift out some of the stuff that you've already lifted out. So I'm glad. I Just to add to that, I think that what's something that struck me initially is just the tone of judgment that Paul typically has. <laughs> there is just typically a tone that feels, it's almost like reading the book 
of Jude, which nobody really even talks about a lot, but I, I for one love the book of Jude. I've done a lot of work on the book of Jude, which is just, it's just like one chapter and it's really interesting. So if you don't do anything else or get anything else in this podcast, I want you to go read the book of Jude. And then I want you to send me all your thoughts about the book of Jude. But yeah, I mean, there is sort of a tone here underlying of judgment. And so what I think is helpful for me is recognizing that there are these sort of pairs in the text of unwise and wise, time and days, foolish and will, drunk and filled. And so thinking about how really, and I don't normally subscribe to any binaries, AO, but what I think is interesting in these, in these, uh, in this movement between these two words <laughs> is that the spirit is at work and actually you know, recognizing the spirit as wisdom is kind of beautiful. And that's one of the first of these pairs. I think the idea of time, of kairos, of of something that is like deeply, deeply spiritual and just calling us into sort of a spiritual way of being. And I would want to push Paul a little bit further and say that what happens when we're called into that way of being is that all of this binary stuff, all of this bad, good, all of this like judgment or whatever, it kind of falls away. And what we get to experience with one another is our own humanity and the realness and the brokenness and the whatever that we all have together and then work on the kingdom building of how we support one another and build each other up. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. I think that binaries um, often can be seen as like, if you are not this, then you, then you are wrong. Mm. Um, But I think that in this particular instance, Paul is saying like, there is right and wrong, but there's, there's, there's um, sarks or flesh. And then there's like spirit and pneuma. Right. And there's this idea of like, and, and Jesus spoke this way of like, you've heard it said, but I'm here to tell you, like, there, there's a better way to go about this. And he basically, this is kind of Paul doing the, um, was it Animal House, uh, Fat, Drunk, and Stupid is No Way to Go Through Life, son. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> he's basically yeah. saying like, these days are evil, like debauchery. Like, there's a lot in this world that can vibe for our our mind's eye, our spirit, our heart that can really pull us. Um, God knows 2020 has polarized at least Americans Mm. more so than probably um, many other times. I won't say more than any other time in our lives, but um, I remember a church history professor that I had in seminary, Dr. Courtney Pace, and she said, if any of you ever wonder what you would have done during the American civil rights movement of the 60s and 70s, Um, fasten your seatbelts because you're about to go through it all over again. And Paul, I think is saying that like, there's a lot of stuff that can really corrupt the world. You know, there was all of the polytheism, all of the, the different gods and Baal and, and there was the temptation to, to drink and get drunk and to run around and be fornicators and all of the things that, that Paul talks about, but he's saying instead, (laughs) yeah, instead there's this this spirit that can fill you um and and as you've talked about on episodes in the past and we've talked about and paul touches on the spirit that fills us is that spirit that fills us eternally the bread of life that we never hunger the water of life that we never thirst um and that it, it that then causes us to 
sing songs and give praises to God and to, to honor God because of the, the thing that God has done. And I think about when you've gone from where you have been to where you end up through the grace of God, how can you keep but to sing and praise and say, thank you, God, for, for where I've been and where I am now. Um, I, I see a lot of men on the, the front end of debauchery and addiction recovery and reclaiming their life and their identity and who they are. And I spend a lot of time reminding them that God and God's spirit and God Christ sees them as they are and wants to bring them to and through the chaos and to restore the order um, that they're there. But that ultimately those things that are debaucherous, the, the unwise things have a really strong hold on, on who we are and what we are. And, you know, mental illness and physical trauma and addiction and substance abuse and all of these things are very real. And it's only through the work of spirit and therapy and qualified people who care and love and want what's best for one to, to commune together, um, God communing with God's self and Father, Son, Spirit, and us communing with one another in communities of love and grace and acceptance that we can see real results um, in one's life and the transformation that comes through that. Yeah. uh, um, Speaking of transformation too, I just want to say this out loud. Like, I'm really glad that you are the person that is serving in this ministry kind of as the person who is supporting these men. And, and it really matters that you're a safe space because as you were talking and as I've been reflecting on this passage, it's funny that I shared up top about the hate mail that we get. Right. And, and, like we're talking about debauchery and fornication and fist fights and <laughs> like lesbians. lesbians. This kind of language, though, it's the same language that contributes to more harm, more hate. I'm thinking about the Pray Away documentary that's on Netflix about conversion therapy and the, the Exodus organization that is just absolutely gut-wrenching and heartbreaking that this language sometimes can be extremely harmful. So my question for us is transformation is important. And you said transformation, transformation is important. Being brought from slavery into freedom, being brought from being held back into liberation is the story of our people of faith. We're brought through into freedom and openness and the gift of life. This is the story of our people. It has been for a long time. How can we continue to be agents of that story and transformation and not contribute further to the harm that this kind of language has caused to not only our LGBTQIA plus siblings, but our siblings who are in addiction, right? This language that you're broken and you must be saved and the church or this organization or whatever is the only one that can do it. Yeah. What, what do we, what do we say about that? So here in verse 19, Paul says, as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourselves, singing and making a melody to the Lord in your hearts. You're, when you when we're singing songs, when you and your guest last week touched on this, we, we sing to celebrate because of the great things that God has done. Mm-hmm. And, and we remember that. And we tell the story time and time again. 
Like I love to tell the story will be my fame and glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Like we tell this, like, look what God has done in my life. Let me tell you, like, sit down for a minute and let me share this good news. Cause the gospel is it's good news of what God has done for me in my life. And I, I, I tell the guys here at Matthew 25, you know, if it weren't for second chances, you know, I would have no chance at all. Mm. Um, and that's coming from, they, some of, some of them call me Rev. That's coming from Rev um, <laughs> straight down to the newest guy here. Cause we have, we have several J names and it's really hard to say, are you, t- are you looking for Jen or Jim or Jen? And it's like, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm Rev. So it works. But <laughs> I say, if it weren't for second chances, I, I would have no chance at all. And, and I mean that and, and God's grace unites us. And in you and I both being Methodist deacons, we have our own thoughts about um, the role of sacramental authority in the work that we are called to do. But um, part of what I, what I do for this ordination process, um, this project called a fruitfulness project is offering and establishing services of Holy Communion for the residents here at Matthew 25. And I'm able to move in that transformation in that way, or God is able to move, and I'm able to point to the movement that God is making in those transformations by reminding everyone that when we, go ahead. No, what you're saying, I'm affirming everything that you're saying. I think that the sacramental piece is something that I'm really glad you brought up. And here's why, because even as you were talking, and this is only because this happened, this, I started watching this documentary this morning, but words like, look what God did or look at what God brought me through. There were people who were part of the Exodus organization who had been previously trans or gay or lesbian who had come through this organization and were saying those exact same words, Jed. Look what God did for me. Look what God brought me through. God can do the same thing to you. If you think that you're gay, come to this organization. We will convert you. God will convert you. And then you will no longer be gay. And so while that doesn't nullify the transformation that you're experiencing it is the very same language so what is different about the work that you're doing what is different about the work that we do together and how can that language be reclaimed and one of the things that you just said it got me really excited because the sacrament is one way that that is happening and it's not i mean you and i again we have our own thoughts but for me it's not under the control of a human being. It's not under control of a clergy person. It is running wild in and among community. And that's the point. That's the point of showing up and receiving grace in an actual nourishment form. It is transformational in ways that don't require human error. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'm, I'm just so glad, like I'm, I'm seeing now, and I, w- I just want to help you even write this for your f- fruitfulness project. Like I'm seeing now how important this sacramental piece is to the men at Matthew 25. And I'm just so, so grateful that you were willing to listen to God, which is what it feels like that God has been orchestrating this entire thing. And that it really truly is centered around a grace filled encounter with an agent of God who says you are whole, you are loved just the way that you are come and receive a meal that will nourish you literally and physically and spiritually and sorry i got so excited i just talked a lot but like it was mm. it was a moment where i was like yes that 
Yeah, it, it is. And it just, for me, and as I thought about it, and the sacraments have always been very important to me, particularly, I mean, baptism for, for we Methodists, we were baptized once. I love being part of baptisms, but I have not been baptized more than once. I will I'd go with that. But taking communion as often as I can uh, and being a part of communion and serving communion and realizing that the table is not a Methodist table. It's not mm-hmm. a Matthew 25 table. It's not a whatever your local church table is in our tradition we practice what's called the open table and christ invites he prepares and sets a table of grace and love and acceptance and transformation for all who love christ and repent of their sin and seek to live in peace and i think that's the caveat of where it is like this is god's table and Mm -hmm. i need the grace that i receive from the table of holy communion as much as does the man who is facing chemical dependence and addiction to alcohol or methamphetamine or cocaine or spent last night in his car and just recently got to Matthew 25 and is having his first hot meal and first place to lay his head down or the guy who feels like he's ruined his life because he's can't shake the addiction to whatever it is and is there and we stand at the table um, as Christ's representatives offering the symbolism of, but the very real truth and the love of, and the redemption of the broken body and the shed blood. And um, this beautiful expression of what we Methodists call the holy mystery that takes place at the table of communion, where God meets God's people and God enters into our very being through the bread and the wine and transforms us into who we are called to be. And just like the spirit of alcohol, the the spirit of mind-altering substances changes who we are, when the spirit, when the, the, the breath of God enters into our body and blows its changing force into us, it causes a renewal and a change in the way we behave and the way we think and what we do. And we sow seeds of those changes as we help our guys work through addiction recovery, but churches sow seeds of God bringing about change each and every day um, because ultimately it's not about the work that we do, but by grace through faith, it's the work that God is doing in each of our lives. And we come to that table um, hungry and expectant each and every time we do expecting and believing that God can and will work in a mighty and powerful way. And that, puts a song in our hearts and we go away rejoicing at the wonderful things that God has done um, from the book of common prayer. I just, I love that, that idea that because of what God's done, we, we have this song in our heart and we're thankful. We can't help but be thankful. Um, Oh my God. This is a free podcast. I just need to say that this is a free podcast. Um, What I want you all to do right now, if you did not catch this play on words that that Reverend Haynes just did with spirit and spirit. I want you to stop the podcast right now. I want you to rewind it. And I want you to let what he said sink in because it is a beautiful and wonderful way of articulating the sacramental role of the ministry that he is doing with folks who are at the mercy of alcoholism and addiction. So, so, so stop, rewind the podcast. We'll wait. We'll be here when you get back.
Okay, welcome back. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about what this text might have to say to folks who are parents. One of the first things that came to mind is everything that you just said about the sacrament and why it's important to share with your minute at uh, Matthew 25 is the same thing is true about why it's important for kids to have the sacrament, why it's important for children to participate in the Eucharist. And so I want to say that to all of our our parents and all of our listeners, I want you to hear me. Children are welcome and accepted at the table. And I think that it is very, very important in the life of our community and as a personal act of faith. And as a continuation of our vows that we take at the baptism of our kids, that our kids are present at the table. So that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is I am acutely aware of the amount of parents that I've come in contact with who are recognizing in their kids, maybe for the first time or for the 30th time, or have been on a journey with their kids who are addicted, or as you said, chemically dependent, or are suffering from any of these diseases who have, you know, fluctuated or have been on this journey. I'm just mindful that there are so many parents who have gone through this with their own kids. And so I'm going to put you on the spot. And I just want to ask you sort of as a parting, as some parting words, what you might have to say to parents, because our audience skews a bit younger. And so our, most of our listeners have younger kids, but what I think I feel in my heart is a need and desire for some preparation. And also, I mean, we may have some listening who have some older kids who are dealing with this. So I'm going to ask you, what are some parting words that you might want to offer to parents who are anticipating or wanting to prepare and be ready to encounter some of this as their kids get older or to parents who are are parenting children, whether they be young or old, who are suffering from these kinds of things? I feel like um, a good word for all of us is that we, um, I, I recently took a class and I, I don't want to say that that class made me an expert, but the title of the class was John Wesley and the 12 Steps. It was uh, Christian accountability and discipleship in light of the theology of the 12 step model. Mm-hmm. And um, Father Richard Rohr in his book, Breathing Underwater, talks a lot. Um, and I would commend that book to anyone um, experiencing walking through a 12-step recovery or addiction recovery in general, or just pastors in general to think about, and people of faith in general to think about the the spirituality of addiction recovery and what that looks like, um, but that we are all in addiction to something and in recovery from something, and the recovery model um, that 12 Steps follows and that many other follow is that we first wrestle with and understand that we are powerless to whatever has control over us. And that for us as Christians is that we are powerless on our own to the forces of sin mm-hmm. and that we all struggle with something and to, to shake off the high horse and forget pretending that we don't. We as pastors, we as parents, we're all in recovery from something Um, And God is at work seeking to transform and renew and help us to work through each and every thing that's there. So to be authentic with your kids about your own struggles, be they chemical or emotional or pride or anger or whatever that might be, um, or just the fact that you say, you know, mommy and daddy 
need God's grace just as much today as you do or mm. whatever that might look like. Um, be vulnerable, be authentic, um, but to think about what a beautiful place it would be if all churches were safe for those experiencing uh, chemical dependence to, mm. to come and experience God's love rather than be ostracized or turned away at the door. And what a beautiful place it would be if we didn't ostracize people who sin differently or more um, visibly than we do on behalf of the church and call it righteous judgment or call it defending the church. Um, I think that that word of we are all facing an addiction to something, be it to self or to a relationship or to a chemical or whatever it might be, and that God has been and continues to be in the business of restoring order from chaos and giving something beautiful out of the mess that we bring to God. And that is the very story of the communion table. It's the very story of the gospel. It's the story of Exodus narrative. And if we're vulnerable with our kids, it's the story that we have to offer to them and to share this is where I've been in my life, and this is where God has brought me to it. Filter that through your age-appropriate child conversations and do so, kind of like your God put you in mommy's belly, and that's okay. Um, but when, when you feel like and you understand that your kids are ready to hear parts of your story and parts of where you see and feel God moving and working, um, to open them up to that and the authenticity of being a sinner in recovery, working towards the Christian perfection, the redemption, the grace, and the love that God stands at the door and offers each and every day. I think we as parents could stand to do a little bit more of that each and every day. Yeah, I think that's well said. I always say this, but our philosophy is for our kids to have as little to unlearn as possible. That's why we're as honest as we can be. And I think, I think what you're calling us to is something that's really, really helpful and pertinent and can save a lot of lives, honestly. So this has been so good to do this with you. I'm so grateful that you were willing to come on the podcast. And if you want to check out what Matthew 25 is up to, you can find them on the website, which is what, Jed? Uh, Matthew25Nashville.org. matthew 25 Nashville dot org um, you can check out what matthew 25 is up to and what reverend jedediah haynes is up to i'm so looking forward to hearing more about how this sacramental project is going i know that you've got friend of the podcast reverend Corey alexander willette coming to you on monday and so yeah i'm just i'm so so thrilled that you were able to do this and i think we should do it again sometime i would love nothing more. Maybe we can get all of Rim 3 on a, on a big pod together or all of the uh, deacons. It'll, it'll be yeah. great. So. That would be fun. We should totally do that. We will call that episode Jack Rackham. Jack Rackham. So, yeah. So, Jed and I have all kinds of inside jokes. Most of them are pirate-themed, which is one of my favorite things. And, and friends of the podcast know that I'm, like, uh, apparently a pirate lover. So, well... It was really awesome to have you on the podcast. It was awesome to have you on the podcast as well because you're an avid listener of the podcast. And so I just want to like for people to hear and know that you are listening to Auto Parent and I always get feedback from you and it's wonderful and amazing. So thank you so much for listening to the pod and for being here. Thanks for having me, KC. I appreciate it so much. 
Thanks for listening to the Auto Parent Podcast. We're going to leave you with a parent mantra, something you can say to yourself or to your partner just to know that you're not alone. Your mantra for this week is, I am made of holy things. I am made of holy things. Because friends, if we don't believe that, it's going to be really hard to convince our kids. Remember this, you don't have to be an auto parent to be a good one. I've been your host, Pastor KC. You can follow me on Twitter at RevKCBC. Join us next week, same time, same place. You can find out more information about Foundry United Methodist Church by visiting our website, www.foundryumc.org. If you're specifically looking for information about our family ministries department or our offerings for parents, you can find those at www.foundryumc.org slash family ministries.